Hello and welcome to this Sea Trade Maritime podcast. I'm Emma Howe, Maritime Digital and Customer Development Director at Informer Markets, and in this Sea Trade Maritime Masterclass episode, we continue our journey to understanding the career paths of some of the industry's leading figures. I was delighted to spend some time talking to Fictor & Co's managing partner, Jasmine Fictor, who shared a fascinating insight into her career in the legal profession and her focus on maritime. I started by asking Jasmine where it all began and what enticed her to become a lawyer in the world of maritime. I wanted to be a lawyer since I was 10. There was never, ever any alternative. I think it was very simple because my mother was quite high up in the police force in Germany. So the basic thing was she gets them in, I get them out. <laughs> well, that was the initial thinking. So I actually wanted to become a criminal lawyer. Realizing as a trainee, that's not really my area. It came by incident. As life is, you can only plan that much. I worked in a law firm who did insurance, marine insurance. I got the first ever case on marine insurance on my desk. After six, partner was gone. I looked at a bill of lading, nearly started crying. Did not have an idea what a consignee, a consignor, till I turned the other side, hark wispy rules, and that was the end of it. It was so threatening and at the same time so fascinating. And that case did it for me. So after qualified in Germany, now in Germany, maritime law is following international conventions. International conventions follow English maritime law, to put this really in a nutshell here. So as a German qualified lawyer, you feel you miss out on something. So having been qualified in Germany, I decided after quite a short time in practice, if you want to be a good maritime lawyer, you need to go to the roots. So studied for my master in Southampton at that time. You want to be a maritime lawyer, there's no way around. There was no way around Southampton. Studied there. Still wanted to understand how English solicitors function, as German lawyers were quite different. The mindset is quite different on many points. Started to work in London, qualified as an English solicitor, and maritime ever since. And what brought you to Dubai? Yeah, that's another incident. Nothing in my life really worked out as it was planned. <laughs> so I was working in London. You know me, I love London. I love the city. And you want to do shipping, you have to be in London. But then as again, I had a good offer from an English law firm. They had just opened up in Hamburg. I'm English and, and German qualified. I wanted to start there. They wanted that I finish my PhD. I had my master. I had half of my PhD done. So I said, fine, I can finish it. It takes a few months. Sitting in London without a job, far too expensive. Sitting in rainy Hamburg, uh, not really feasible. My sister was working in Dubai at that time. That was 99, uh, 2000, 2001. At that time, hardly anybody had ever heard about Dubai. I go to Dubai, finish my PhD while she's working. Came here with all the ideas about Muslims. Am I safe as a woman? Do I need to cover my shoulders? Uh, can I walk around? All these dumb stereotypes you, you have about the Middle East. And was so amazed. You have been here for a long time. You know, you know what I mean. I was so amazed by this place. First time as a woman where you can walk freely. You can walk in the midnight. You can have a stroll through the park at three in the morning. Nobody bothers you. First time I had a real feel of 
safety. I was amazed with the openness, the, the culture, the embracing of new people. And then it was the usual expat story. I thought the job in Hamburg is not running away. Work here for a year. It's good in your CV. Middle East experience is good. Everybody in Hamburg has been in London on one point or the other. Got a job quite fast. Of course, at that time, it was 2001 or 2002. And then it's the expat story. I think as most of us, you want to come here for one year or two years. And then you decide to stay. It's just too convenient to live here, I guess. The weather <laughs> is too good. <laughs> I think your light bulb moment was in 2005 when you decided to launch your own law firm. Yeah, that was another thing that was never planned. Now, as I mentioned before, my mother was a civil servant in the police force. So going for an independent, no salary check is not really in my DNA. So I thought, but having worked in-house, so I got a job here. Maybe I should have mentioned that job was not in a law firm. It was in-house. And that was eye-opening. If you work in a law firm, you're good in law. That's a given. Should be a given. But you don't really understand the industry because you haven't time to spend with the industry leaders. If you have an arrest of a ship as a lawyer, you find the merits of the arrest interesting. Nobody else does. Everybody else wants to know when is the ship released and we can mm -hmm. sail again. The ship needs to sail. The ship needs to make money. So I changed sides. It was an absolute eye-opener. Worked for an insurance broker. It was fantastic because we had so many ship owners, all different industries. You deal with all different industries. You get to know the different attitudes. Again, at that time, we didn't have ISM code. We didn't have ISPS code. It was all just coming. So the whole structuring started. And from there, of course, instructing law firms, I wasn't always happy. I didn't find they were on to the point. I didn't find they had the fast solution our clients needed. So I was, again, amazingly lucky that two ship owners started putting this idea in my head, set up your own maritime law firm, and they actually financed me. They provided an interest-free loan because I said, guys, Emma, you know, you have been there. I didn't have money. I said, guys, my money is in my shoes. I haven't got any money. If I have money, I buy a nice pair of shoes. So again, I said, we give you an interest-free loan. Pay back. Don't pay back. Get going. It's not complicated. And that was the start in 2005. And did you find at that point, because 2005 was... Before the crash as such, yes. uh, it was yes. very much in the boom time of Dubai. Did you find working there both as a woman in the industry, financed by some ship owners, did you have prejudice against you or did you find it was quite seamless in terms of setting up the business? I found it was quite seamless. It is a Muslim country. So even with our staff, I would have been careful on the dress code. It's all about respect in the end. I always say, if there is somebody who has a problem with a female lawyer, I wouldn't know because he wouldn't come to me. I did have it indeed. Indeed, 20 years ago, you would have sometimes lawyers on the other side and it was written all over them. Why yeah. should I talk to you? Why should I talk to you? Okay, fine. You have the same even by today with any European. So you would have this issue. I will never forget. I was sitting in a settlement meeting and uh, one of the sheikhs, a, a lovely, a lovely older guy, a sheikh, he would look at me in front of everybody. We were like at least 12 people at the table. He would look at me and say really loud, Jasmine, why are you not married? You're not ugly. <laughs> Again, because the concept 
in the Middle East, what they couldn't understand, I wasn't married, I didn't have children. That was something they couldn't really get. What's she doing here? But on the other side, I had a lot of clients and I still have with saying, just mean all my daughters are studying. I want you to meet my daughter. I want you to meet my sister. I want them to become like you one day. You should be a role model. I have not heard anybody I know ever saying, oh, I want that my daughter only studies Quran, leaves school with 15, marries and has children. No, no, absolutely not. You have been here. You know how the ruler family ticks. It's all about achievement and giving your best and not just sitting at home. When people say, you as a European woman, how can you work here? Well, I say, honestly, Emma, in London or in Hamburg, I couldn't have built up what I've built up here. Guaranteed. I couldn't have done that. And that, I guess, goes back to that question of what you would say to young women wanting to carve a career, either in maritime law or in maritime. How would you advise them to proceed? And I agree with you. It shouldn't be a case of whether you're a man or you're a woman. Still, that stigma is still there against women in shipping, despite lots of recent developments. What would your advice be? For me, it was much easier because in law, it's already much more recognized and accepted that we have a lot of ladies amongst our profession. Speaking about women and shipping, let's see a surveyor. Female surveyors would still say, I can't get access to the port. There is no toilet for women. They can't allow me here. They can't do that. I come from Hamburg, whereas I grew up, it was always said, women on board is bad luck. Even by today, you would hear female surveyors say, when they enter the ship, it would be said, Captain, a woman on board, a woman on board, because it's still not there. And then let's not forget, shipping is a very specific business. It's the dinosaur of the industries. The leadership, they have been in the industry for 40 years, 50 years. Most of them, they have been captains. They went to sea, they have built up. They apply their standards from 30, 40, sometimes 50 years ago. So for them to change and to adapt, whether you're a man or a woman, it's not easy in general. And for women, I would say you need this little bit of luck. What I had, I was very lucky that I just had supporters who supported me. You need a senior who wants to support you. You need to work incredible hard. And what I keep saying to women is, please don't sit back, lean in. I can only sign up on it. Women have the attitude, if I just work really hard, my boss will see. No, he will not. He has 20 other things on his list. You need to be there. You need to see, let me go to that. Why is my male colleague always going to the conference? I want to do that. Can I get this? You need to lean in, push yourself out there, try to have networks, try to learn. Again, this is why I find female networks are so important or the mentorship, what you do today with a masterclass, find somebody and learn or ask questions. How can I get there? And who inspired you? Honestly, I must say, as I was a trainee in Germany, we don't train in law firms. We train with courts, with judges. We had a fantastic maritime court in Hamburg. And so three judges and the head of the court was a lady. I think the best judge I've ever seen. Incredible smart lady who could speak about a cooking recipe one second switch the next second, shout at a lawyer if he wasn't prepared properly. So it was one of the brightest minds I've ever seen. Definitely she was one. I must say in the firm in Hamburg where I worked, 
not one female lawyer. I think 10 years later, they started to have the first. I still don't think they have a female partner in there. There's certain women who have made it, but it was very, very few in between at my time, I have to say. And I guess going back to the Middle East, name some of those real standout highlights of your career. Of course, one was opening the office where if you read my business plan today, you're cracking up. I thought it's me and a secretary. We are now more than 40 people in the office. I, I had no idea. But again, that's not me being brilliant. I was just there at the right time, at the right place. It was in, as you said, 2005. Dubai was booming. 2008 was a very different picture. That was, and of course, the downside of it. I would say from starting up to, I always had certain ship owners on my wish list. Or I had a number of CEOs where when you come here, it was your dream one day to speak with them. There's certain people where I just thought, I really, I, I want to sit with them. I want to get to know them. I want to understand how they tick. I, till today, I have it that I would sit with a new client. We work with the legal department, but I would make it a point to sit with the owner or with the CEO and try to understand what's your business plan, what's your strategy, what's your objectives. Because I think a law firm is doing much more than just, just the legal work. That was, of course, one speaking with Sheikh Mohammed. You know what I love on this country? Try to have a meeting with Boris Johnson and tell him what you don't like. Try to do this in Germany with Mrs. Merkel. Here you can approach Sheikh Mohammed and you can say, Sheikh Mohammed, this is me. I work in maritime. You know what? Things could be better. His office calls you back two hours later and they're reacting to it. That's just something I'm still amazed by it. I still love that. And then, of course, a few highlights were just starting working for really serious size uh, ship owners. And looking at the UAE in particular, since you've been there, obviously Dubai has grown as a maritime cluster and internationally is now recognised within certainly the top six top maritime clusters worldwide. What would you say about the growth of the country and how it's achieved that? I love how this country is planning and then just setting KPIs and then achieving it. There is a master plan behind it. Sultan Ben Suleyem from DP World, you can call him our Mr. Shipping. He has driven the port. I don't think anybody would have believed in 87 what's actually happening here. Dubai wants to be the smart city of this planet. And again, this is what you need in shipping. So if we could accelerate, you know how our industry is, we're still paper-based. It's embarrassing to say, but we're still so heavily paper-based. If you can drive that forward, if you come up with logistic solutions, that we make a name. Otherwise, if you look at the Middle East, we are in the perfect spot. The ports here, we have the perfect spot. We are in a very good situation. And on that point, the government puts the right initiative. Transport has always been one of the keystones of developments. Of course, our oil, not to forget. <laughs> this is true. So if, Jasmine, you were to have your time again, would you choose to do it all the same? Or what would you do <laughs> differently? Would you choose a different career path? You know how often I think about it? If I would have known, would I have opened up this office? Different career path? No. I think I'm a born lawyer. That was always the only thing I ever wanted to do. That's my passion. And I think that's another advice I would give every aspiring junior. Your job has to be your passion. If you just do it for the money, 
Don't do it. You need to love what you do. Definitely, that was my area. Setting up an office, you become a bit of a slave for salary payments. It's quite a dependency. You can't just say, I take a year off, I travel the world, I do something. That's the downside. The good side is you can create, like in your own house, where you say, this is my house, I do my own interior design. I had a chance to create an office atmosphere as I thought that's what you need to be creative. So all any office politics or anything what you have in big organizations, you, you cannot say you don't have it. Cutting it off 100%, we have not been that lucky, but we are quite democratic in our office. We have... Everybody has a voice. We decide on big things. The whole office decides what we go. They have a veto. I don't like the dress down day. I don't like the jeans and t-shirt, but the office got the voice. So I just have to follow on that point. So I guess I would do it again, but maybe a bit more scared the next time around. <laughs> and for those younger women, especially who still think they have to choose between being a wife and a mother or having a career, what would you say to them? It's honestly, Emma, it's horrible. I realized for myself, the moment I meet another woman at any conference, I don't think it takes more than a minute before we are at this point. And I wonder why I always come with the same. How do you do it? Because somehow I think one day a woman gives me the answer. How do you do it? I think there's still too many seniors who actually ask women what I find just horrible, who are asking, what will it be for you? family or career. I don't think it's right that we still ask this question and we still need to do this decision. Project managers are saying, yes, yes, I want to get women in, but I need to have somebody 24 hours on the job. A woman can't do it. A mother can't do it. Yeah, but you want later, you want somebody to pay your rent. If we are not producing children, nobody will pay your rent. So again, we are producing children, but only half of society stucks with it. So I think it has to go both ways. It should be normal that the husband brings the kid to kindergarten and the husband picks up the kid. So it's not just on us. It would be one half of society cannot work it out. And I find every time when I see successful women, I have the feeling because they have a very supportive husband. They have a very supportive husband who helped them to make a go. I took a very hard decision as I opened the office. I was... 34, 35. So for me, it was a decision. I will not get married. I will not have kids. I can't pull off an office and still have my private life. That was a really hard decision. I must say I'm incredibly lucky. I did get married. I have a child. Once my daughter would say I haven't got enough time for her, of course. And the other one, she's criticizing me for being a single child. And that's something what I had to give because I had to have her so late in life. I couldn't manage to have a second one. And I'm not sure I could have pulled this off with two children. I might have, but I'm not sure. So again, women who have a career, they pay for it quite heavily. Let's not forget it. It's not all hunky glory. It's much better than it was 25 years ago as I started. Much better. But we're still far away. We just got a junior lawyer in our office, um, a paralegal. Incredible smart girl. Incredible smart. And I said to her, you know what? You shouldn't work with a boutique law firm. You should work with a magic circle. This is where you should train. But she got married very young and she has a baby. And again, she said, just mean I appreciate it, but I cannot give the 15 hours they demand. So again, I feel it's our win because we got an incredible, talented lawyer in our office. And I'm very grateful for that. But 
isn't it a shame that so young in her career, she cannot go, she cannot get the training she deserves, in my opinion, because there's her baby. It's a shame. So that didn't get much better, my opinion. What would the solution be then? Maybe companies need to consider why they want their staff to work 15 hours a day. In our office, I'm saying if somebody comes in an appraisal and says, oh, I work 15 hours, I work every weekend, that doesn't give you brownie points with me. That means something is wrong. Either you're not cut out for the job or it's wrong structured or you have too much on your plate. We try to make sure that people spend, I don't want the people in the weekend. I want them to spend with their family. I want them to recharge their batteries. I don't want that a new lawyer is judged by, oh, he's very good, but he works only from eight to six. Eight to six is already quite some time. If he gets his work done and he still has a life outside the office, that should be something good, right? But again, the, the, the fish stinks from its head. I think it's really important to have a management who's giving this directive, who's saying, we do understand. We have one of our Arabic lawyers. He comes very early because he drops his kids at school. And he has to leave at a certain time because he picks them up. So I do see that sometimes he's commented on. I think it's great that he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And come on, today you are in lockdown as we speak. He can work from home. You don't need to be in the office. We should look a bit more into flexible working. Maybe COVID was a was 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 a good. Every challenge has has opportunities. Maybe that's an opportunity. So in your mind, then the work life balance isn't equal in all companies, but that is something that within FICTA you would try and encourage? I would try. I think a lot of people here would say, uh, dream on, it's not happening. If you decide to work in a law firm, you know you're not up from nine to five. If you decide to work in shipping, same thing. In most of the shipping departments, the phone rings or phone rings at midnight, you have to jump. There is an issue. You cannot go for the normal office hours. I think that's something young generation, whether men or women, they need to consider. If I work in a hospital, I know I'm up for 48-hour shifts. So again, that is something you need to look at. You need to be aware. Being able to work more flexible, I can't care less as long as the work is done. How you do it, when you do it, as long as the client is happy, that is definitely something, yes, we can deal with that. And I must say, it's not just us. It's a lot of international law firms There's another international law firm. They have home office here in Dubai as well till end of December. So again, it can be done, whether small or big. That's possible by today. No, I'd agree with that. Just looking briefly back at your career, are there any highlights that really stand out for you? Was it winning an award? Was it the office opening? Was it, well, give us an example. I think, honestly, it's more private that my husband is still married with me and hasn't given up on me. <laughs> that my I have my daughter is definitely the biggest highlight of my life. Of course, awards are great. But you know what? Awards are greater in the beginning. We got our first best maritime law firm. I was actually from Sea Trade. That was such a highlight because it was such a recognition of our hard work and us trying to do something different. I personality of the year of course again it's always a recognition 
I think something I'm very proud of what I got recently. I don't know whether you know I got this 10-year golden visa from the yes. from the Dubai government. Yes. yes. That's something I'm really proud of it. That that is something I really appreciated. I'm proud one time Sultan DP World was said we we want to understand what the industry wants. So Sultan established Dubai Maritime Advisory Committee. He put me up as as chairwoman. I would back to him. I said, Sultan, I'm so grateful, but I'm I'm not an Emirati. I'm a woman. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. And he just wrote back and said, um, because I said, why me? Why did you pick me? He just wrote back and said, because you can do it. That, that is something. That that again, I'm really proud of this. What I heard from a number of leaders, honestly, it doesn't matter if you're small or big or men or women, as long as you can do your job, it's good. But the recognition by Sultan was an important thing for me. It's these little steps. But, but then sometimes when you have an outing with your office and you look at what we have achieved here, you see a great team together. I think that drives me. That is definitely something what I like, yes. So last but not least, for anybody who is beginning their career, what would your advice be? Not to go into shipping. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> or even, even just because, because shipping has such a reputation to be so male dominated. And again, I, I must say from years ago where, where our woman rights, we were on a three-day conference, we would have the last slot where nobody's left to now we have the first spot. And the great thing is how many CEOs come to me and say, just mean we have these ladies in our office. We are so, so, but they are so supportive. You, you will never find a man who says, I only want to work with males in my corridor. It's boring. You want to have the nice mixture. I love shipping because it's so international. And because we are such a close-knit family. We are maybe 200,000 people globally. And I feel wherever you go, you know somebody. We are very close-knit. You like international private law. You like anything international. You deal with different time zones, different cultures, different people. That's something what I love about shipping, what I think it can never get boring. But again, for young people, there's this little bit of luck. You need to get anywhere, but then it's really be determined. Be determined. I like people who think outside the box. I like people who say, I can do this extra mile. And go up and speak to your boss. Most offices have an open door policy. If you come to your CEO, you know how busy he is, but you come to him and you say, do you mind if you have five minutes, can I speak with you? I don't think any, any CEO will say, no, you can't. And then just tell him, this is what my dream is. This is what I want to do. What would you advise me? If your boss is saying, get out of my room, I don't have time for you. Then change jobs, honestly. Then you're in the wrong in your wrong entity. Because I think a lot of people on our level, they appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this Sea Trade Maritime podcast. You've been listening to Jasmine Fichter, managing partner at Fichter & Co., talk me through her career journey as a maritime lawyer and sharing her advice on what it takes to make it in this fascinating and challenging profession. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, you can listen to more in the Masterclass series during Sea Trade Maritime Middle East Virtual. You can also find a whole host of additional on-demand podcasts, webinars and white papers at seatrade-maritime.com. 
so please do take a look and sign up to our free news and information newsletters. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we'll see you soon. Thank you.